God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love because God first loved us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Two stories. Story number one comes out of Dostoevsky's novel, Brothers Karamazov. It's about a wealthy woman who asks an elderly monk uh, how she can know that God exists. She's really wrestling with the existence of God. And the monk in response to her says, you know, there's no, there's no explanation or argument that can be offered for the existence of God. The only thing I can offer is the practice of active love. Somebody was calling me. Uh, the, maybe it was God, who knows? Uh, we'll find out in the story. Uh, the wealthy woman then confesses that she has had these dreams and fantasies about loving others and like, uh, coming into loving service to others, maybe becoming a sister of mercy and living in poverty, uh, serving the poor, living among and with the poor. And, but then she imagines, she shares how ungrateful that she, uh, might find people. You know, some people would likely be ungrateful for the help that she was trying to offer them. They might complain about the soup, you know, that it was not warm enough or that the bread tasted too stale or that the bed that she would offer them to lay in would be too hard. And she just wouldn't be able to bear such ingratitude. And so her dreams vanish and she finds herself wondering again if God exists. This monk responds to her and says, love in practice is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in dreams. Story number two comes from Elaine Heath's book, The Mystic Way of Evangelism. And it's a story about a time that she took a group of her ministry students to visit uh, the Missionaries of Charity in Dallas. This is probably 12 or 15 years ago. Um, the Missionaries of Charity, if you if you don't know, is the group that Mother Teresa was a part of. So it's in that very same vein and tradition. And the, the little, um, uh, community house and ministry house of, of these four sisters who were part of the missionaries of charity, uh, was located in a little red brick building in an impoverished Latino neighborhood right here in Dallas. And on this little trip, uh, this excursion that they were taking, they met a small, Indian woman who was a part of this, uh, this order. Her name was Sister Salvanette. And Sister Salvanette was kind of their tour guide of sorts for what the, um, the sisters would do in their ministry. And she described how every day they would go and knock doors in groups of two. Uh, and they would, they would just ask people, um, 
hi, you know, we're, we're a part of the missionaries of charity. Uh, we want to get to know you. You're our neighbor. Uh, is there anything that we can pray about? And Sister Salvinette shared about how many people were skeptical and suspicious of them at first. They thought they might be asking for donations or for some help, but they would respond, oh, no, 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 no. We, we're just, we just want to, um, to pray for you, to get to know you because you're our neighbor. And as they would get to know their neighbors over time, uh, they would discover needs that their neighbors had and they would try to help and meet them however they could, at least by prayer. Um, their philosophy of ministry was reflected in their own five finger exercise. Some of you who grew up in churches of Christ, uh, may remember a different five finger exercise about salvation. I love this one way more. Uh, this is pretty cool. So on their fingers, they would remember their philosophy of ministry in five words. You did it unto me. That was their philosophy of ministry. The, the, the thought that whoever they met, they believed they had an opportunity to meet and serve Jesus. And out of their visits with their neighbors grew this food distribution uh, program because that was a need that their neighbors uh, e- expressed. And so the sisters and volunteers would prepare about 200 bags of groceries every week for their families in need around them. Uh, and as S- Sister Salvinette was describing the ministry of the missionaries of charity, she said, you know, for, for all of that activity, really our basic ministry is prayer. Uh, because the sisters gathered four times a day for an hour each time to pray. And it was usually in silence. And in silence, they would contemplate the love of God. Uh, this time of prayer for them was the way that they received the love that they needed so that they could give that then to their neighbors and to their friends and to the people they were in community with. Um, Sister Salvinette told the ministry students, we could never do what we do if we did not pray in this way. It would just be too hard. So as as you think about those stories, the first one about uh, the wealthy woman and the monk, the second one about these sisters who are part of the missionaries of charity in Dallas, um, in what ways does our text in 1 John come to life in these two stories? What what did you hear or take away? Uh, leave me a note in the chat and I will invite you to share. Uh, Ben, and then Daryl.
I was making coffee. Uh, and so sorry, I was late. Um, the, the line from the Dostoevsky, uh, love is harsh and what is it? Harsh and uh, difficult. Yeah. Love is a, is a harsh and dreadful thing. Yeah. Um, to love it. Thinking about this interplay of love in the text of John and that the ultimate expression of love from God is death on a cross. Mm. That love is indeed harsh and dreadful. Mm. And to be invited into that way of love is not necessarily rosy. Um, it might lead to death in all of its uh, many forms that that connection uh, struck me. Yeah. Word. Thank you. Daryl, what about you? First of all, Ben making coffee. I get that. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. Um, I, I guess for me, the one thing that whenever we're looking at first John, people always keep coming to this. Well, you know, we obey the commands. We obey the commands. If it talks about obeying the commands and yet, the command in First John always comes to this one word, love. I mean, we, and even in John, you know, you, you know, you love me if you obey my commands. Uh, well, what are the commands? That you love one another. That's you know, First John thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen passages. Uh, it all focuses on this concept of loving one another. And in one sense, you 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 sit back and breathe a sigh of relief, saying, "Oh." It's it's all about love, isn't it? Okay, you know, I don't have to worry about 4,000 different commands to remember. But then, this comment, I believe it's Father Zoysima in, uh, in uh, uh, Dostoevsky's book, um, reminds you what Ben says is that love, it's not an easy thing. We talk about we're saved by grace and all that. You just got to love people. Oh, Really? Give me the 610 commands any day. Uh, it's that's so much easier if I have a list, but then to say, no, you got to love. That is frightening in many ways when you think of it, uh, because it is totally giving your life completely. Mm. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah, I, you know, I think for me, I was, um, I was struck by the, in these two stories, kind of the, the, some of the paradox of how we, um, discover and enter into love that, that it, there's some tensions, I guess, between these two stories. On one hand, we can find God and the love of God in the, um, the very mundane details of our relationships with people um, and in the harsh realities of trying to love people in relationship. And, and on the other hand, the I'm, I'm so inspired by the sisters uh, and missionaries of charity and the way that somehow they're also able to tap into this love uh, in silence and that there's some sense that, that silence brings them into contact with something that God, namely, that sustains them and even helps them find God in those harsh realities of love 
in relationship with other people. Um, else out there? Yeah, please, please, uh, dear. Just that, that when you said that, it hit me too, is verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We cannot love in this way, and it's the Sisters of Charity, we cannot love in this way if we're trying to, to rest on our own ability to do it. Yeah. It's impossible. Yep, precisely. Uh, at the heart of these two stories and our first John text is a beautiful truth, a beautiful truth that is at the heart of the best news we have in the way of Jesus, a beautiful truth that sustains us in the midst of a global pandemic, a beautiful truth that subverts our fears and buoys us with hope amidst a tumultuous political season, a beautiful truth that empowers us to show hospitality to our neighbors, to receive hospitality from our neighbors. This beautiful truth declares that at the center of the universe lies not chaos or antagonism or evil or judgment or apathy or nothingness. This beautiful truth reveals that at the center of all things is love. God's meaning is love. God's essence is love. Self-giving, self-emptying, others-oriented, others-regarding love. Love that is for us and all humanity and not against us. Love that does not coerce or enact violence, but rather persists through suffering and death. Love that is demonstrated perfectly in the life of Jesus. Love that says to each of us, you are my child. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You are enough. The truth is that this beautiful truth is just too beautiful for words. Uh, it's something I came up against. I mean, this is the... Uh, the heart of the good news of the Christian story that I'm most excited about and that I find the most life about and that I find words to be so completely inadequate to describe. Uh, it's just, it's too beautiful for words. It is something that we must behold. So with our remaining time, rather than try to tell you more about the love of God and how we should love people, which is, would be fine. Um, I'd like to invite you to participate in the spiritual practice of resting in the loving look of God. Uh, so before we begin, it's important to acknowledge that this spiritual practice may be challenging. Um, many of us have been conditioned perhaps by unhealthy faith communities or unhealthy family members or unhealthy circumstances to not see ourselves or others in the way that God sees us. And so before you begin, I encourage you to make a commitment to yourself silently like this, uh, something like this. I recognize that this practice may challenge me. I give myself grace. I don't have to do this or experience it perfectly. This will be a step, even if it's only a small one, towards seeing myself and others as God does. So I'm, I'm going to start to kind of interject some time and space for silence. And I'm going to prompt us along the way to kind of tune in to 
the look of God, the loving look of God toward us. So, um, so you get comfortable, however, however that, um, is for you. And I'm just going to start and give you a minute, uh, a moment here at the beginning to, to make a grace giving commitment to yourself in this practice as we, as we come into the loving look of God. We engage in this practice both for ourselves and for others. So there's a social component to this practice that is just as important as the individual component. So if, if you haven't already, consider closing your eyes and take a moment of silence just to still yourself. Pay attention to your body. Notice where it's tense and try to relax. Attend to your breathing, deep and slow breaths. Pay attention to your mind and heart. And as thoughts and emotions emerge in this stillness, acknowledge them and then release them. In this stillness, try to picture God looking at you. Let God's location come to you. God may be looking down from heaven above. God may be looking at you from a posture immediately across from you. God may be looking at you very closely. Try to imagine on God's face 
a look of total devotion and delight. And if it helps, use a known image to help the face of a person in your life who is devoted to you and delighted in you. The face of someone you've seen in a play or a movie or art that radiates devotion and delight. It could even be a child's face. They are so good at unreserved delight and devotion. You may want to picture God as a father or mother, as Jesus, or even as the spirit. It's okay to picture God as a person you know well. Picture God's eyes, the way they radiate love. Picture God's smile and the way it radiates love. Imagine the voice of God saying to you, you are my beloved. What does that voice sound like to you? Is it tender, strong, loud, quiet?
rest for a moment more in the long, loving look of God. And as you do, draw your attention to yourself. What emotions do you experience? As they emerge, acknowledge each one, including the negative ones, and try your best to savor this experience, to be fully present to it. What physical sensations do you experience? How has this impacted your breathing? What, if any, impact do you experience in your body, easing of tightness or increasing of tightness? What is your body telling you? How might this experience live itself out as you move through the day and encounter voices, including your own, that sound in contradiction to God's voice? Now imagine other people, family, friends, co-workers, even strangers. Imagine God now turning toward them with the exact same look of delight and devotion. Imagine yourself joining God in that look. Imagine saying with God to these other people, you are God's beloved. Is there someone specific or a specific group who comes to mind as you silently think those words? 
Is there someone specific or a specific group you feel led to invite in your imagination to come and rest in the long loving look of God? Who do you know that hasn't been treated as God's beloved by others or by yourself? Invite them in your imagination to rest in the long and loving look of God. What does this experience feel like? What emotions are you noticing? What is your body telling you? Rest for a moment more with these others in the long and loving look of God. Finally, as we start to come out of the silence, consider how this experience might live itself out as you encounter others today. And take a a second to thank God uh, if there's thanksgiving there to give for what you've experienced in this practice.
Amen. Uh, would anyone like to share a reflection from their experience? Uh, all are welcome, but no one is required, as is our custom. Leave me a note in the chat and I'll, I'll holler. All right, Markeela. Markeela, maybe Duncan. Maybe Duncan. Um, I felt like in the experience, there was definitely this feeling of God's light shining on me. And when you said, you know, visualize God's, um, God looking or God seeing me, it was um, all I could just imagine was the light of his glory shining on me. And being able to just kind of rest in that in that light and in that glow. But then it also made me think about yesterday. And there's a there's a resident that likes to show up at our events and likes to help. And the help isn't always wanted, to be honest. And um and I resist it, but I I can't push it away because you know, I just, you know, I can't function that way. But on the inside, I'm resisting. On the inside, I'm thinking, get your stuff and go, you know. And just in this moment, it was when you look at that person, do you look at them with the shine of God's love, with the shine of God's grace and shine? Are you shining upon that person? Or do you look upon them with disdain? Mm. And so with my own flaws, with my own brokenness, he still looks upon me with the light of his love. But yet I don't. So it was just as I as I engage, even with those who are difficult, every person that I come in contact with, do they walk away feeling like they just encountered the light of his love? Mm. Beautifully said. I love that. The way that this exercise in, invites us to, in your words, um, uh, shine God's love, um, and, and to join in God's look and shine of love, uh, toward the people in our lives. Good on you for that. Uh, if anybody else has one, yeah, you know, leave a note in the chat. I'll say, I don't know if Charlie's, do y'all have anything? You good? Okay. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite, I've, I've done this, um, exercise a number of times just personally. It's one of my, it's one of my favorites. I don't know why it took me so long to figure out that I should share it with all of you. And I'm, I'm glad it, you know, better late than never, eh? Um, one time that I did this, it might have been the first time I did this. It just wrecked me. Um, uh, I saw my sweet little Charlie sitting across from me with a look of just sheer delight. 
and it just wrecked me in the best way. <laughs> uh, I think I, I, uh, just to, uh, to sense and feel God's love, uh, through somebody like Charlie, who's so precious, uh, to me and to not see her, to not see Charlie as a, um, as my child with whom I have authority over who, who I need to discipline or who I'm in charge, you know, whose spiritual formation I'm in charge of, but to have the tables turned and to like receive the loving look of God from was just pretty fabulous. Um, and it, it, it affects the way that I see Charlie now too. Uh, it transform, you know, I'm, uh, it transforms the way I see my relationship with Charlie. Um, Ben, what you got, Bubba? Yeah, for quite a while now, I don't, uh, I've never really known what to think about prayer, but, um, praying for people has always been strange for me. Mm. And so like words feel inadequate. So I've been drawn to the, uh, more of the apophatic, um, experience and what I've, what I've engaged uh, is my prayer for people has been imagining Jesus holding them. So uh, I'll tell people I'll hold that closely in prayer and I'm not ever using words. It's an imaginative sort of practice of imagining Jesus holding them. And almost immediately uh, in this, I was undone because it was from the perspective of being held by Jesus mm. that, that I was the uh, I was experiencing what I had imagined for, whew, for so many, yeah, for so many people, and so, and like this deep, this deep need and longing to have it for myself. It was just, it was really moving. It was, God was doing some um, jujitsu. Um, Sort of putting me in the place that I'd always put others in. And that was really meaningful. So mm-hmm. thank you yeah. for sharing. That's wonderful. 